Hello, everybody. Let's take a moment and step into the fray. This is Mark with Speak Brave Podcast. John, I love that song. I can tell you do. I mean, this song actually touches my heart every time I think about it. And actually, I use this song many times And uh, mm-hmm. when I was working with kids about friendship. Yep. Yeah. Friendship. This is the theme of today's topic. Welcome, everyone, to Speak Brave Podcast. This is your host, Mark Guy, and my friend, dear... John Morrow. <laughs> good afternoon. Well, it's afternoon here where I'm at right now, so good afternoon to you, but good morning also, and good evening to any of you that are out there listening as well. Glad you're with us. That's right. I'm so glad you're here, and uh, this is one of my favorite topics, friendship. Yeah, friendship is a big deal for me, too. Yes. I want to talk about how can we be better friends? Mm-hmm. How can we make friends? Yeah. You know, one of the best books I ever read in friendship, guess what? You know what it is? It's called... How to Win Friends and Influence People. Dale Carnegie. Have you ever read that book? I have. Okay. I'll tell you what, it's required reading, obviously, for people to take the Dale Carnegie course because he was the man that really wrote the book, pardon the expression, on friendship and on building friends and building lasting friendships. But there are people who have never taken a Dale Carnegie course who have picked up that book. I could not even begin to imagine the literally hundreds and maybe even millions of people that have read that book during the course of their life. And that book's been around a long time, too, Mark. It has been. In fact, um, you said there's a course, um, mm-hmm. the Carnegie course. Yeah. And I'm sh- I never came across it, but I'm sure it's wonderful. Because the truth that is in that book are gold. And you can use that book to become better in any mm-hmm. area of life. John, I will tell you a little secret about me. And this is, I know, will be broadcasted to the International Space Station. Hello, my friends in the space. My very first book that I bought in the library when I was just seven years old, I took a bus to library and I was so hungry for knowledge. And I was browsing through all the books and the first book that I bought myself was How to Win Friends and Influence People. And I memorized all the tenets. You were seven? I was seven years old. That was 30 years ago. Well, thanks for telling everyone how old I am, but that's okay. I tell everyone. I yes. can't help myself. That's, that's the, that was 30 years ago. That's <laughs> right. 30 years ago. Yeah. And that was so wonderful. I remember this day. It was it was August. It was right before the school started. And it was hot summer day. Isn't that amazing? And, Just and, like what we're going through right now. <laughs> and, and, I, and I remember taking a bus to the, to the little bookstore, a little bookshop. And I remember holding this book and I'm thinking, what is this? How to win friends and influence people. And that book have changed my life. In fact, I was so influenced by the book, mm-hmm. I was actually carrying it around in my neighborhood. And I was using 
the tactics and advice in their book talking to people and i was just trying to gauge um is this effective was this not effective can you imagine just little boy working walking around with the book talk uh from dale carnegie i thought it was one of the best things that can anybody imagine a <laughs> seven-year-old with a copy of how to win friends and influence people walking around your neighborhood with any kind of a tactic no no i did i, did. <laughs> I probably looked so uh so into it i was i was i was a bookworm you still are a big one. I am. I watch you every day. You come whenever we go to the library, and you and I get together for a, a, a conference session, a mastermind, a brainstorm. I, the first thing I know is that as I start to walk out of the library with every intent to head on home, there you are pulling books. I'm not talking about one book. You're pulling one, two, three, four, five books, and then you're up at the desk and you're checking the books out. And I say to myself, Mark, do you read all those books in one week? And of course, the answer is most of the time, yes. <laughs> Well, it is true. Um, I know you it's, have a voracious appetite for, it's for reading. Well, the only way that you can get better is by reading books. Yeah, I agree. Well, with you. I tell people that, that when I want them to learn vocabulary. But not only that, but you can cr- see. I know this is a little bit different from the topic of friendship, but this this book, "How to Win Friends and Influence People," should be on everyone's bookshelf. If you care about friendship, I think it should too, because it yes. really talks about the essence of how that can be done and why it needs to be done That's in right. this world. And as far as the books is concerned, it actually allow, it's a compressed knowledge mm-hmm. that someone took maybe 10, 20, 30 years to come up with yes. and compress it in a book that you can do it. And also when you read a book, it is also not different than you have a conversation with the author mm-hmm. because author has a voice. Author has the voice of writing and their personality mm-hmm. and character comes out through the dialogue, through the writing. So yeah. I, and that's what it is. It's a little bit one way, but still, you can imagine it as you having a conversation with the author. Mm-hmm. So, John, let's talk about friendship. Yes. Tell me, John, what does friendship mean to you? And how, yeah, what, what does friendship mean to you, John? Today, friendship means someone who I can put my complete trust and faith in. I can know that they will not just support me back me up try to help me any way they can but more importantly they'll be honest with me and they'll be honest sometimes to the point of even saying look you need to straighten up you need to do better this is not like you you're a better person a friend really cares about your success your welfare your health a friend will weep over you when you have a terrible struggle a friend will laugh with you a friend will stand beside you when everyone else in the room disagrees with you Mm. because a friend understands you and knows you from a much deeper level i think that the only way that you can really have a true friendship is to develop a relationship with an individual where there is a degree of love because Love, I think, is the quintessential expression of unselfishness. Okay. And friendships, I think, are built on unselfish relationships. Okay. But you have come to this realization it's after, after what? After some painful experiences, possibly? Many. Or plus, plus what, what I happened? really didn't understand friendship in its essence until I married. Oh, okay. Tell uh, me more. Well, when I married my wife, I knew that I was in love with her because I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her. She was the person I wanted to be with. We had many things that we just enjoyed doing, but being together. Now, granted, when you're married, there's also that physical relationship. I mean, we had passion in our marriage, but friendship, the realization of friendship and the love relationship between a man and a woman is the kind of thing that we can talk about today because I've just celebrated my 43rd anniversary with my wife. Congratulations, John. I'm just, you're an inspiration. 43rd? 43rd. And been married for 43 years. Oh my gosh. We're now starting number 44. That is older than I am, but okay. The, The thing about that is 
we physically change and we change in so many ways but the one thing that hasn't changed but no the one thing that has changed but it's changed in a much more powerful way is that now this relationship is one where I just want to be with her. Oh. I just want to do things with her. I want to laugh with her. I want to cry with her. I want to learn with her. I want to argue with her. I want to make <laughs> up with her. Argue with her. Oh, I my want gosh. Her, yeah. I, I want her to look That's me amazing. in the eye and point her finger at me and say, I've known you, and you are better than this, and you need to clean your act up and so, get busy. So this is love. This is, this love. is love, and that is rooted in friendship. It is friendship at the heart. I tell people, okay. why do you stay in, stay married to your wife, you know? And it's, you love her, right? I said, yeah, but more importantly, we like each other. We're friends. Yes. We are friends. We are friends. Good. And because we're friends, we like to do things But that's a choice, right? That's a choice. It is a choice. But uh, it's amazing how the choice becomes almost, it, it's almost like it becomes into, into your DNA. It's like it metabolizes into okay. your body. But I just want to trace the root of your thinking. You said that the way that you see friendship now, it is based a lot on your experiences from the marriage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And when you dig deeper, you understand that this experience is because you have chosen and you have synced together as yes. friends. So mm-hmm. you in total sync, in complete sync, or mm-hmm. sometimes you get out of sync sometimes? No, no? Th- we may have some bumps, but the one thing's for certain, we are definitely locked in. You definitely locked in. And that's friendship. Mm-hmm. I think, isn't it friends is the gifts that we give to ourselves? Yes. And at the same time, too, it's the opportunity to give away without asking for anything in return. Okay, I love that. So what what advice would you share to be a better friend of somebody who's not married? Because not all of our listeners are married. Some mm-hmm. of them are single or some of them choose not to get married. Or maybe they just, you know, not ready. Or they, and also, they, well, also so, don't think in context of marriage only. That's yeah, because, uh, and I know I want to point out, there was a pastor from Seattle, Mark Driscoll, who wrote a book, Real Marriage. Mm-hmm. And he said that the the main core idea of the book was friendship is what is what at the core of their success. It has success to be. So I, w- I do want to address on that. I think friendship gets underrated. Underrated. Friendship, I can look at examples of friendship, and these are friendships which were closer than that of being a brother to a brother. Okay. Scripture even says friend is one who sticks closer than a brother. I think probably the story in the Bible that talks of a friendship between two men that was extraordinarily powerful was the friendship that took place between King David and Paul's, uh, right. Saul's, King right. Saul's son, Jonathan. Mm-hmm. Jonathan and David were like brothers in that they trusted one another, they believed in one another, they saw the virtue and the goodness in one another, and so they felt that above all else, they should, even if necessary, defy the leadership of the king, defy Mm -hmm. the leadership of his own father, Mm -hmm. because he could see that his father was jealous, and so he many times was responsible for delivering David out of potentially life-threatening situations and I know that of course in scripture God had a hand in all of that but friendships to me are the kind of things that are rare Mm. when it comes to alliance in the sense that 
if this person is in trouble, I want to be there with them to help. Yeah. I want to be standing by their side. Because, because that's the choice you make, right? That's a choice and, I make. And is there is there a mindset? Because I, I cannot be in, um, inside your thinking, but I just want to uh, be clear. You don't expect anything in return. No, nothing. John. You can't. You can't. So that's the mindset that you have. It has to be completely selfless. Yes. I just want to bring into the into discussion a reference that I have that actually have changed my thinking. Are you familiar with this author, Joe Sweeney? Yes. You are. You okay. have talked to me about uh, Joe Sweeney. He's awesome. You have told the story, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah. about about um, him before and the the pay it forward guy that's is what right i like to call him and his book um i actually came across his book when i was doing um part of online trading mm-hmm. and the platform that i was using uh for td ameritrade right at the bottom there was a little running news saying joe sweeney his book networking is a contact sport is a new york Times bestseller i'm like, oh interesting so next time i went to the bookstore i grabbed this book because i saw it on the uh stock trading platform mm-hmm. and his book i'm telling you there were some grammatical errors in it and some you know easy to swallow stories but the content of his book have changed my life joe sweeney is a people's champion he taught me the value of networking and he taught me specific skills and strategies that you can use in your everyday life to become a better friend and what he revelation from his book was networking is the place you go to give, not to get. I love it. You know, you should be. You should go into a network situation mm-hmm. with the idea that the gift you get yeah. is the friend. You. That's right. And the relationship. And not the relationship. Necessarily, not necessarily yeah. something you're going to get out of it. The situation. No, like it's just what they from. bring to you of their own volition. That's right. So I believe if if you want to be a better networker. I recommend this resource. I think Joseph, it's an excellent resource. It is excellent. I certainly do like the stories that you tell based upon <laughs> it, particularly your Starbucks story. Well, that's, yes. Sometime during your podcast, I'm just going to make a personal request for the benefit of the listeners. I would like you to tell the story, your Starbucks coffee story sometime. I won't ask you to do it today. Yeah. But I think it's a good example of why Joe Sweeney is so popular. Because In my life. Joe was, was showing and demonstrating through that story the idea that you can do random acts of kindness they don't have to be noticed you don't do it because you want to be noticed you want to do it because someone just really needs uh just how do you say an attaboy for just the day, just you know, pat on the hand back. or just a little gift of attention yeah too many people want to give you a handout but i like the idea of a hand up hand up yes 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 that's that's how it felt. And I do promise I will bring that story. Starbucks story is a mm-hmm. cute story. It's true. And I was able to use it for several years. And actually, that story helped me open up. Helped me open up about who I am and where I'm going. Yeah. And the feedback I got was excellent. So I will make sure I do that. The other thing that I want to mention, John, have you ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire? Yes. Jerry Maguire. Show me the money. Show me the money, screaming it like crazy. <laughs> That's a cool movie. Isn't that a cool movie? Yeah, it is. Cuba Gooding Jr. Cuba and, of course, Good, yeah. uh, Tom Cruise and Renee Zellweger. Do you remember, uh, at the end of the movie, I, folks, if you have not seen the movie, stop everything you're doing. Go see the Netflix. Get the rental. and Make it a movie night. It's an incredible movie. It's a, it's a humor. 
It's a human. It's a love story. Oh, is it ever? Oh my gosh! It's an inspirational. It's also a sports movie, and it's about friendship and a business and about friendship. Friendship and business, no less. Friendship and business. It will change your life. And there's so many brilliant things that come across in the movie. One of the scenes is with the mentor of Jerry Maguire saying, "This older gentleman, he's sitting at his desk, and he very animated, very expressive, and he says he points to his head, and he said." If your heart is empty, what you have in your head doesn't doesn't matter. Right. And that's what it is. If you have nothing in your heart, what you have in your head, nobody cares. Yeah. Or maybe somebody will care. But for me personally, I, it's just not for me. Do you do you understand what I'm saying? I understand it because okay. this is what I'm discovering as a communicator. Yeah. So Jerry Maguire. I will not give away the movie, but just at the end. the One of the final scenes where Jerry Maguire... Um, he, apparently he lost all his business and lost all his contacts. But this one friend, Cuba Gooding Jr., stuck with him. Yes. Stuck with him through thick and thin and through ups and downs. And who was his confidant? Who was his friend, true friend, who actually stuck with him and told him in truth and in love, just like you said. And at the end, at the very climatic scene, Jerry Maguire and his friend, they hug and it, it, was, it was just build up of the emotion. Mm-hmm. And all the other people, all the other people watching them saying, huh, I want that kind of relationship. Yeah, exactly. What, what, well, what is this about? Can I explore this a little further? This was way outside the bounds of business relationships. This was, hey, he's his agent. These guys are like, you know, uh, they're, they're like... Brothers. I mean, just the bond was so the evident. The bond was that powerful. And it was such a... It, they connected so well. But... Did you also notice, yes. and I have to bring this Tell up. me, tell me, come on. It's it, was, it was that relationship that he had with the character played by Cuba Gooding Jr. that also began to translate into the relationship that he developed with the Renee Zellwinger character because he had been so wrapped up in himself for so long thinking about, you know, the money of the business that he really didn't know how to love unselfishly. Mm-hmm. And the key character there was that absolutely precious little boy with the glasses. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, that kid it, just took my heart away. You know what? For, if you've never seen Jerry Maguire, but even if you have, watch it again. Yeah. Watch it again by yourself. Watch it again with your friends. Maybe you have cats. Maybe you have alligators as pets. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you listen in the Philippines and there's some kind of parrot you have as your pets. Watch it with them. <laughs> That's terrible. It's, it's the truth. All right. Oh. Well, so you were saying, okay, there, and that's a relationship that I think anyone can develop. It can be and I think it yeah. starts with you. It starts with the it mindset that you have. Hmm. So if you have in your heart the mindset of being open, if you if you want to understand, I think you can create that kind of relationship. You can. You and just have to have that attitude that you're always welcome here. The stars will line up just right. Mm-hmm. The universe will smile and will bring to you the person who appreciate the gifts that you have. And that's the right kind of friend. And you open up. But it also starts with a conversation, John. Oh, yeah. Because if you have a conversational tools, the way you can relate to people, mm-hmm. I think you can elevate your chances of becoming a better fulfilled person, but also touch others. I want to just mention another resource. This is comes from um, Todd Duncan. You see that? Maybe you can read that for us, John. And this is from his book, Killing the Sale. And this is the difference. Every time you approach a conversation or some kind of interaction with people, think of it this way. So, John, go ahead. Yeah, Whether this, it's- 
This is amazing. Com- compare you, and contrast. Yeah. You, you either have dialogue or you have a monologue. You either are considerate or you're conceited. You are either authentic or you're a fake. You are either transparent or you're manipulative. You are either secure or needy. Mm. You are either interested in meeting needs or interested in making money. Or you're interested in building trust or you build tension. I like these. Seven specific, what I call, virtues Mm -hmm. of true I think uh, friendship characteristic and approach to unselfish living versus seven completely and totally self-absorbed, self-centered, ego-driven needs. I know what it is to stand up and dominate a conversation. I've been there and done that. That's right. But you know now. There's a price to pay for it. There's a price to pay in what? You won't have friends, I can tell you that. I, when I was young. <laughs> they can run away. When I was young, I wanted to be accepted, but I did not understand that to be accepted, you've got to be willing to accept people the way they are. It's not about you impressing them. It's about you caring about what they have to say. You remember the phrase, people don't care how much they know. They just want to know that you care. Yeah, and that's actually what John Maxwell said in leadership mm-hmm. context. People don't care how much you know until they see how much you care. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And But I just want to go back to what you said. You wanted people to like you. You wanted mm-hmm. to be accepted. You wanted to be part of the collective, of the community. You just didn't know how. All right. I forced myself into things by trying to paint myself as somebody of value. Mm-hmm. And that was the wrong thing to do because all I did was I pushed people away from me. Isn't that better? And I understand your experience, and I honor it, and I also grateful that you share it, share it tonight, today, with the with the mm-hmm. listeners. But it also comes from a point that you don't have to tell me; just show me. Nope, you don't have to say a word. Sometimes. You don't have to say a word; just show me. Yeah, right. Just show me. To well, your... showing is the, is action. Action. That's right. See, words are words, mm-hmm. and you see, words can either be genuine, but the problem is, is if the words, if your actions don't measure up to the words. Then what happens after a while, anything you say, people will say, well, you know, that's just another one of your lies. Uh, and, and then people will see you and they hear your words and say, don't take, don't take his word because not. he can't be trusted. He never lives up to what he says. You've then, got, it's what you do. It's how you engage and act and treat people. And it's part of your integrity. It's part of who you are because your person will show up um, the way you interact with others, the mm-hmm. way you are online, the way you're in real life your personality will carry through unless you have a team of people who carefully groom and manufacture your image. And I want to bring this into a, f- a discussion of friendship. Do you know that, I don't know if you've seen this uh, or not, but lately there's few people that I interact and it, it seems that, and I read this about, about this before in a few articles, because a lot of interaction is done through Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or Pinterest or many other social um, media is that a tolerance a tolerance for tolerating others or accepting others is so short and not only that there's a hair trigger balances one person may say something wrong and boom you cut them off from the online relationship right Mm -hmm. from online interaction unfriend them like that that's right but don't you think that this type of attitude leaks and actually transforms into a real life 
And I've seen some people to actually take this online attitude and carry it over into real life, into the physical world. And I think it's hurtful. I submit. And that's very hurtful. And I, I, uh, it's two different worlds. And you have to have a, draw a line. I submit that actually, if, if we get down to being sincere with ourselves, we bring our hair-trigger relationships and our ego-driven relationships to things like uh, social networking because social networking is just another form of communication coupled with seeking relationships, mm -hmm. coupled with a certain degree of creativity. But the problem is if individuals explode and they get out there and they just spew out garbage and hate speech and anger and retorts and they create divisiveness and anger and then they cause people to run for their you know, Facebook listing and defriend these individuals because they don't want to see their posts on Facebook anymore. Whether there was Facebook or not, this sort of thing, this sort of sickness, this sort of disease, this sort of malady is going to rear its ugly head in our real lives and in probably real life. has already re it realized does. itself. But I, but I think this type of uh, relationship that we build on social media, I think it only amplifies. I agree because it, it puts it out there for the whole world. The weaknesses in our own, in, in our mm -hmm. own relationship building skills. And I think if we're not careful, it will overtake our lives. And this hair trigger balances will only damage the relationships we already have. Yep. And I also want to bring to this very important point when you have said people don't care how much you know until they see how much you care. This is one of the taglines that comes from John Maxwell. And John Maxwell is a leadership expert in the United States and all mm -hmm. over the world. Um, John Maxwell certified team. And he wrote dozens and dozens of books and organizations. What he has taught me, John, is that in one of his books, Leadership Gold, which I do recommend as well, he says, we are harder on others than we are on ourselves. And not only that, but he also says, most people use two totally different sets of criteria for judging themselves versus others. That's true. Don't you think that's, that's, the, that's the crux of that's uh, the crux obstacle, of obstacle, obstacle to real friendship? That's where that the term you don't measure up came in. You don't measure up. Or sometimes we, the way I see the way we see the world is through the lens of our own experience, mm -hmm. through the lens of our own uh, pain, through the, through, the, through the lens of our own understanding. And if we project that type of understanding to others, I believe there's breakdown in communication. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And that is hurtful. Estrangement is created. Estrangement. Uh, I've seen this meme on the internet. What Distance doesn't separate people. Silence does. Silence does. Silence does. And that is so poignant. And it is so true. So one of the things I want to mention is don't measure people just because how you measure. To explore experiment just give yourself a chance and just truly try to understand where the other person is going where are they coming from why are they doing this there's always the why behind the why if you take the time and think okay why is this happening what is happening nothing nothing to do with you but why is this person doing this way if you and then you ask them 100% respectful 100% honest if you can find a solution sometimes you can't but if there's a mindset of understanding, I think you can make a lot more friends. Isn't Dale Carnegie said that? Mm -hmm. That you can take, you can make a lot more friends in two months, but being genuinely interested in them than 
asking them to be interested in you. Well, a conversation, I was told the problem in a lot of lives is that when you come up to an individual, the first thing you want to do is you want to tell them all about yourself. <laughs> no, wait a minute. If you want to meet somebody and get to know them, what you do is you come up to them and say, my name's John. I am glad to meet you. Tell me about yourself. Tell me tell what me you do. Yourself. Tell me Tell me what your favorite things are. I'd, I'd right. like to learn about you. Also, you can ask, you can be more specific and, and then just be quiet. Yeah, right? and just there. be quiet and listen. eye contact. Focus. Uh, you, you listen. You watch their body. You do. You you mm-hmm. confirm what they say. Affirm and just listen. In his book, Dave Kirpin, The Art of People. In the beginning of his book, he actually has ten questions that you can ask. What is the most exciting thing that happening in your life right now? In your personal life? In your professional life? What would you be doing if you if you if you were, you know if you would be retired right now? And if you had enough money, what would you be doing? Where would you be with? And you just listen and let them talk. And I think that's the first step of connection. Yeah. Yeah. I also do want to say this before we move on to the next one, because I know time's an important thing. What helped me more than anything, and this sounds strange, was understanding how to walk in someone's shoes is a term we sometimes called empathy. Empathy, yes. That's a big word. Here. And empathy is a is a powerful word because if we understand empathy we're really looking at people through the lens of how they feel and we're beginning to relate to how they feel. And I think it takes practice. It does. It takes practice because if you, just like you said early in the episode, love and the marriage that you have built successfully with your wife, and it's an inspiration to me, John, that translates and leaks out in other areas of life. Mm, it does. Doesn't it? Yeah. And, that's, and that's, you can take that model and practice that with others, with exactly. your friends and colleagues and other collaborators. Yeah. But I also believe empathy is the key. You can develop empathy because empathy, I think, is the key of connecting. Well, it's like I said, I never understood my father until I became a father. Wow. John, I want to bring something to, the, to this tail end of this conversation. I enjoyed it tremendously. And I think the time is just going so fast. It is. It is. John, I would like for you to read something for our listeners, if you don't mind. I'll be glad to. This is actually comes from Carney, Dale Carnegie's original book, How to Win Friends and, and Influence People. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a story that belongs to W. Livingston Larned, L-A-R-N-E-D, who called it Father Forgets. And I hmm. just want you to uh, read into this, and we'll close up. Why don't you do that, John? Okay. Okay. All right. I begin. Listen, son. I am saying this as you lie asleep, one little hand crumpled under your cheek and your blonde curls stickily wet on your damp forehead. I have sneaked into your room alone tonight. Just a few minutes ago, as I sat reading my paper in the library, a stifling wave of remorse suddenly swept over me. Guiltily, I came to your bedside. These are the things I was thinking, son. I had been cross with you. I scolded you as you were dressing for school because you gave your face merely a dab with a towel. I took you to task for not cleaning your shoes. I called out angrily when you threw some of your things on the floor. At breakfast, I found fault too. You spilled things. You gulped down your food. You put your elbows on the table. You spread butter too thick on your bread. And as you 
started off to play I made for my train, and you turned and waved a hand and called, Goodbye, Daddy. And what did I do? I frowned. And I said in reply, Hold your shoulders back, boy. Then it began all over again in the late afternoon as I came up the road and I spotted you. There you were, down on your knees, playing marbles. You had holes in your socks. I humiliated you in front of your friends by marching you ahead of me to the house. Socks were inexpensive. And then I complained. They cost too much, and if you had to buy them, you would be more careful about taking care of them. Imagine that son. Hmm. Imagine? That's from a father? Do you remember later when I was reading in the library how you came in timidly with a sort of a hurt look on your eyes? So I glanced up over my paper, but I had this impatient look, and I was being interrupted, and you were hesitating at the door. So I snapped, what is it that you want? You said absolutely nothing, but then you burst across the room in one tempestuous plunge, threw your arms around my neck, gave me a kiss, and your small arms tightened with great affection, affection that God had set blooming in your little heart and in which even neglect could not wither. And then you were gone, and I could hear you pattering up the stairs. Well, son, it was shortly afterwards that my paper slipped from my hands, and a terribly sickening fear came over me. What has habit been doing to me in my life? This habit of finding fault, of reprimanding and scolding. This was my reward to you for being a boy. It was not that I did not love you. It was that I expected too much of a boy. I was measuring you by the yardstick of my years. And there was so much that was good and fine and true in your character. The little heart of you was as big as the dawn itself over the wide hills. This was shown by your spontaneous impulse to rush in and kiss me and hug me goodnight. Nothing else matters tonight, son. So I have come to your bedside in the darkness. And I am kneeling here beside you, ashamed. It is a feeble atonement. I know you would not understand these things if I told them to you during your waking hours, but tomorrow I will be a real daddy. I will chum with you. I will suffer when you suffer. I will laugh when you laugh. I will bite my tongue when impatient words want to come. I will keep saying as if it was a ritual. He is nothing but a boy. A little boy. I am afraid I have visualized you as a man. Yet as I see you now, son, crumpled and weary in your cot, I see that you are still a baby. My baby. Yesterday you were in your mother's arms, your head on her shoulder. I've asked too much too much.
Wow, John, this story gets me every time. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. And it's perfect ending. I Not agree. too. And this is perfect. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And I hope you have gained something about friendship, how to be a better friend to yourself, how to be a friend, better friend to others. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye.